The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Fair warning, the user fees story has reared its ugly head again this week, but then the boys stray from that into a discussion of the real and imagined improvements to the airspace system. They check in on a really cool playground, note the progress on Whitman Field's new control tower, and remember a pair of legends. All this and more on Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 30, Playgrounds Are Better Now! Uh, we've been trying to catch up on backlog of listener mail, and, well, we're caught up now. <laughs> I, uh, constructing an aviation-themed playground for use of neighborhood children there in one of the Atlanta neighborhoods. Well, the latest is we are going to make a very concerted effort to get her solo. We've had a, a relatively benign spring here so far. Um, today, the last few days, I mean, we haven't had any rain, maybe maybe a little sprinkling. Uh, last few days have been sunny, low humidity, a breeze, maybe mid-80s, supposed to get to 88 today, but again, there's no humidity. It's It's been really remarkable. Um, you know, hey, uh, it's like, you know, 60-degree days in January. If this is global warming, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in case you haven't noticed, we began. Welcome, everybody, to uh, episode number 30 <laughs> of Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. And uh, I'm going to have to uh, edit out, I'm gonna have to edit out one that. or two little comments that Dave made about the weather. But other than that, uh, uh, we've gotten our weather talk out of the way this morning. And, uh, <laughs> welcome, everyone, to the virtual hangar. Uh, with us this morning is, uh, as usual, Jeb Burnside talking to us from uh, his home office in Springfield, Virginia. Jeb is a freelance aviation journalist, currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, and also as a contributing editor to AvWeb Biz. Good morning, Jeb. Good morning, Jack, and good, good morning, morning to you, Good morning, Jeb. <laughs> <laughs> Hope everyone has their coffee. And that sweet voice is our friend Dave Higdon, talking to us from rainy Wichita, Kansas. Dave's an aviation photographer, a senior editor at Kit Planes Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Thunderstorms, huh, Dave? Oh, yeah, overnight, uh, all across north and south across the state, uh, from uh, about Dodge City, Kansas, which is uh, about 130, 140 miles west of here. Took it all bloody day and into the night to move 120 miles. Took it eight hours to move the last 80. It is a big wet one. Yeah. And I am Jack Hodgson up here in Boston, Massachusetts, where it is surprisingly pleasant this morning. It's uh, sunny and, and going to be a warm one. It's going to get to be 90 here tomorrow, they're telling us. Ooh. I am a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. So, what's going on? So, I wanted to do one little bit of administrative thing here, um, and that is that last, last week on the episode, I kept alluding to the computer problems I was having, and I didn't want to make too big a deal out of it, but now I realize Oops. that I have, to, I have to fess up a little bit You have here. to fess up. Um, I had, uh, about a week, a little bit over a week ago, I had, for the only the second time in 25 years as a computer user, I lost my primary hard disk. It just kind of stopped working. And... Uh, and this is a killer. This is a brand new hard disk. This disk, hard disk was six months old, and as a result, I was sort of lulled into a false sense of security and wasn't doing backups real often. And I lost a bunch of personal stuff. Fortunately, all my work files were stored away on servers and whatnot, except for my work. And this is where I need to fess up. Except for my work files regarding uh, uncontrolled airspace. And although dun, we, didn't, dun, dun, dun. we didn't lose any of the episodes or anything important like that, um, what what I did lose that's kind of of note is uh, we've been trying to catch up on backlog of uh, of uh, listener mail, and well, we're caught up now <laughs> because because I'm so, I apologize I shouldn't make light of this because we really love it when people send us mail, but there were about three um, more emails that were sitting in the queue. And that queue is on the dead hard drive. And it's possible. Hello, aviators. This is the PC age version of the dog ate my homework. Yes. So we're almost caught up, you know. And so what I was going to say is invite listeners to, uh, if you sent us email or audio feedback over like three weeks ago, 
and we haven't at least acknowledged it on the on the podcast there's a reason that's then that may be one of the ones that got lost and we would love to hear from you again if you could just kind of dig your email out of your sent your outbox and resend it to us um, I don't think I or, lost or any. Or make up a new one. I mean, or make you know, up a new we're, one. We're good with yeah, that. Yeah, just make up something. We so, don't care. So, if you haven't heard from us, and it and it was more than three weeks ago, because we do have a couple that have saved, um, please resend. Likewise, and this one kind of hurts my feelings. <laughs> this one makes me feel a little bit worse. Is that the the email list that I use that people have asked us to send them reminder emails, mm. um, which I send out every time we post a new issue. Um, I have it up to a couple months ago, but I don't have it up to last week. Mm. So um, I'm not exactly sure how to approach this. I, I guess if if you do not get if you did not get a reminder email for this episode in the last few and you days, were expecting one, and you were expecting one, or would like one go to the home page of the website on controlledairspace.com and put your email in the little form in the sidebar. And now, uh, fellow aviators, if you really want to make Jack feel guilty as dog dirt here, uh, even if you didn't send one in before, even if you weren't on the list before, send one in saying, where's my email? <laughs> yeah. Or the same way with a listener comment. I'll you just, know, wow, I, I, I sent this to you two weeks ago. I'll just start sending them too. <laughs> send, send them to you know Higdon those too. I mean you know. Yeah, well Higdon was on the list. I don't know whether he fell off the list or not. He might have. I haven't looked at it at least. Lately. I'll have to like, wait. Like he, until... like he needs a reminder. Yeah, that's right. But he was one of the first people to sign up, so he's probably still on the backup. I should guy. be. Yeah, I was going to say I've been signed up since Last we first summer, started yeah, doing right. this. So, anyways, so my apologies, everyone. Um, there actually is a slight chance, I'm told, that I might be able to recover the data on that drive, but I haven't been able to start that process yet. And by next you, year, next week's podcast, we'll update you on Jack's adventures in technology. Do you know Jack's how much it's going to cost Jack's you to get that hard drive diagnosed? What's that? Do you know how much it's going to cost you to get that hard drive? Hey, I found not to, not to change this into a tech podcast, all right? But there's a computer place here in Greater Boston that specializes in Macintosh, and I don't know if they can do this for non-Mac drives, but they will look at my drive, and if they can recover any significant amount of data, they'll charge me two hundred and fifty dollars. If they can't recover any data, they don't charge me anything. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, yeah, I, I I had a drive fail a couple of years ago, and again, not to make this a tech podcast, um, took it to a a, a national uh, nationally known company with a, a branch office here in the local area, and it was like a hundred and a quarter or something just to get them to look at it. Yeah, I mean, and I was sort of prepared it was going to be it was going to be like five hundred dollars for them to recover any significant data. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, thank you very much. But. Yeah, well, knock on wood, it may come to that because you guys may, not, may or may not. But but they told me that since it didn't make any noises when it failed, which it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the guy looks at me. He says, he says, did it make any like grinding noises? I said, no, it was really silent. It, it was just stopped working. And he said, okay, well, there's a chance. He said uh, so. Yeah, um, and the, I kind uh, of it, take it as a, the fact that they don't charge a look at it fee suggests that they have some confidence that they can earn the full fee. You know that or, yeah, that or it doesn't take them long to look at a horseshoe. Yeah, so, uh, well, you know, and draft, draft failures take on different forms. And, uh, you know, it, the, the, the dreaded worst-case scenario crash is the one where the heads actually, right. you know, crash into the platters and the platters get all scarred. And, and that's where that grinding noise would come right. in. You know, that's okay. usually where that grinding noise and the sound of tires locking up just before the drive hits the wall. Yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, I, you know, I figure the data could come back. It's just a question of how much money I want to. You know, I mean, you've seen pictures of you know. Sure. They can recover these. Hey, let's bring this back around to aviation. They recover these aviation black boxes. You know, when they're uh -huh. like all mangled up and and you know, um, you know, you see pictures every now and then of somebody's laptop that fell out of an airplane and they actually. Yeah, but they're can, all Unix. Hey, this is Mac OS X, which is <laughs> Unix. Thank you very much. Anybody in the greater Boston area is interested, I want to give a plug because these people have been great so far anyways. Um, it's called Tech Superpowers. They're in downtown Boston. Check them down. Anyways, that's enough tech stuff. What's going on in the aviation world? One quick note here. Um, Aviation-wise, we've been touting for the last couple of episodes the uh, Young Eagle International Young Eagles Day, which is coming up. Um, and in particular, we were touting the Concord, New Hampshire uh, EAA chapter uh, event on that day. And I received email this past week that they've had to postpone for June 9th. So if you're in the greater in the New England area and you were planning to go to Concord, New Hampshire um, on June 9th, um, they're going to reschedule, and you should uh, kind of keep your eyes open um, for for when that's rescheduled for. They apparently. 
they had one of these meltdowns where all of the pilots or, or a significant number of the pilots who were going to be involved suddenly had other commitments and, and they just didn't have enough airplanes to give kids rides. So they're going to do That's it. They're sad. just not going to do it on June 9th. Yeah. They have not rescheduled? They have not rescheduled at this time, no. What else is going on? Pick a story. What do you guys no, want to talk I, I about? I think the, the biggest news lately confronting GA is user fees. Yeah? What's the uh, latest? Back on the front burner. Back on the front burner. Um, well, the latest occurred last week, uh, and um, kind of uh, almost simultaneously with the uh, recording of our, our most recent podcast, the Senate, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation voted out a bill, uh, S-1300, kind of ominously numbered, um, to... Yeah, like uh, to 13 times a 1,000. Right, to uh, uh, reauthorize the FAA and impose user fees. Um, in this instance, the the, uh, the key user fee is a $25 per flight fee imposed on, quote, turbine-powered aircraft, unquote. Um, that amendment, or there was, a, there was an amendment to strike that provision from the bill. And came uh, so close. Came, came very close, and it, it failed by one vote. Um, interestingly, some of the people you would think, uh, at least one person you would think who would be opposed to that user fee uh, voted to retain it, and that is Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska, of all places, where you would think that uh, general aviation would be uh, um, strong enough, popular enough, and important enough that he would uh, he would vote against a user fee. Well, yeah, and good old Ted is such a common sense guy too, you know. Uh, yeah. don't, don't get us started. Yeah, it's uh, too early in the morning. Uh, but Ted Stevens has, in the past, been almost Pavlovian in his his support of, of general aviation, and this is uh, one of the, the only comments. time in my memory. Uh, that he's not really salivated and, and pushed the right button. Well, his comments during the uh, uh, committee markup and the subsequent vote on the amendment, uh, you know, indicated that he's got grave concerns, major doubts about user fees, uh, you know, has real worries about what they could do to Alaska. And then... Yeah, you know, it's like. Uh, well, you know, it could, it could be as simple as him considering that most of Alaskan GA is piston powered and not turbine powered, and therefore that's a throwaway vote. But I think he's probably heard a little bit more about that since then, and I would and, bet uh, um, where where they go from here. Um, the other piece of news, and and uh, I'm, I'm kind of increasingly skeptical about this as the week wears on. The um, the house. Aviation Subcommittee was, by the end of this week, to have developed a draft reauthorization bill, which would be the starting point for negotiations in the House. Um, they were supposed to, they, they, they said some weeks ago that they would do so before Memorial Day, and of course Memorial Day is Monday. Um, which this also, is Thursday, which and, yeah, and we all we, know that they're out of here tonight. Right. Well, tonight or tomorrow, depending. But uh, uh, when they when they finish business today or tomorrow, they'll be out of here for the Memorial Day recess. And um, you know, it's kind of it's time for them to put up or shut up, according to what they said earlier. Certainly, you know, they can delay as long as they want. Uh, but it's kind of a head scratcher for me, kind of waiting to see when they will come up with this bill and what will be in it. More importantly. And there's been some rumors flying around about that. And the next step on the Senate side what, is the what Senate have you been, Finance what have, Committee. Yeah, what have you been hearing on the rumor side on the House side? Uh, a little bit nonspecific, but it, it's looking like they're trying to come up with something that will sweeten the, uh, the pot for F FAA modernization uh, and change the uh, tax formula a little bit for fuel taxes, but basically leave well enough alone. Uh, that, that that's one thing that keeps coming up, uh, and I'm not sure how much of it's what people are really hearing, or how and how much of it's what they're pushing, and and a little bit of wishful thinking. Uh, but the uh, aviation subcommittee over on the house side and the finance committee on the house side have both been so openly skeptical and critical of the FAA's proposal and of user fees in general, that it's uh, it's not too hard to give a little credence to this idea that the, to 
satisfy the criticism or at least mollify the criticism that uh, that uh, the airlines are, are are being overtaxed actually primarily the passengers uh, that they m- might juggle the fuel tax formula a little a little bit mm-hmm. uh, they might juggle the the, the tax uh, passenger ticket tax a little bit uh, and it's not hard to see them you know raising the uh the the fuel tax on ga kerosene and avgas uh and not playing with the fuel tax that the airlines pay which is like what four and a half cents a gallon or something like that uh as opposed to the 19 and 21 cents that ga pays uh of course we don't collect a ticket tax from our passengers uh and uh mess with passenger facility charges uh Everybody on the uh, airline side and the airports uh, uh, association side of the uh, aviation industry equation are pushing really, really hard for more latitude to charge higher passenger facility charges. Now, for you know our GA savvy folks who may not have uh, recognized this the last time they flew the airlines, PFCs are level are levied with the FAA permission, by the way, by local airports to support local airport improvement projects. And there's a cap on how much a passenger can pay going in each direction. That is, if you stop at three airports with PFCs, you're only on the hook to pay for two of them. and it was a, a way to give local airports some local funding options outside the FAA grants program. Uh, it basically let them tax passengers a second time, uh, and it's been really popular and has, you know, resulted in everything from, uh, you know, needed improvements on the traffic side to, you know, new rose gardens on the on, on the street side. So, uh, the uh, validity of this is not in debate, though, because along with needing the next-gen air traffic system to avoid the, you know, airspace gridlock that Marion Blakey so likes to, you know, flog us with. Uh, oh, man, they don't, gotta be don't, even, don't even give me a picture of Marion Blakey flogging something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> with, her, go there. With, with, her, with her fee of nine tails cat whip. Uh, the, uh, the you know the the bottom line is the bottom line is that we can do all the airspace and air traffic improvements in the world, and still not solve delay problems and congestion problems uh, when we've got too few runways and too little runway capacity. That's right. Uh, because there's you know there's a little number that's calculated for these air airports called runway acceptance rate, and that's how many airplanes an hour at peak. The, uh, the 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 airport can handle in terms of departures and arrivals, and it's predicated on a, a, you know a whole lot of factors, and uh, in, in, in weather influences it uh, a great deal. Uh, in bad weather, the runway acceptance rate numbers go down, so we're getting fewer airplanes in. But it also is predicated on things like wake turbulence and how quick airplanes can get off the runway. And the bottom line is that the current level of air Port capacity in the country isn't sufficient to support the peak periods that they've got now. That's right. It's one of the reasons why these bottlenecks and these delays start is when the airlines try to cram 120 pounds into a 70-pound package or an 80-pound package, and you make pounds flights, and you know what I mean. The uh, the math is fairly easy. I mean, um, uh, let's let's presume that we have a runway that uh, can. Uh, launch the average airliner aircraft uh, one every 60 seconds and that's I'm just pulling that number out of thin air um, let's presume further that uh, thin air that would be a high density altitude right. airport uh, let's presume further that there's only run one runway uh, for departures and one for arrivals at that airport and let's further presume that that the airlines schedule 70 arrivals during a one hour well, right away, ten aircraft are going to be delayed. That's right. Uh, if if we presume that we're talking one ex- one arrival or one, I'm sorry, one departure uh, each minute, which is humping for a lot of these airplanes, a lot of these uh, these airports, I should say. Um, when you think about it, um, that means everything runs smoothly. Uh, there are no weather 
problems. There are no mechanical issues. There's no controller issues. And um, on good days, that 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 one airplane a minute uh, uh, standard can work. On bad days, it can go down to one airplane every three minutes, and that's why you have things like ground holds and hour-long delays getting in and out of certain major airports. Well, and, um, and it, it bears acknowledging that you know things like ADSB and RNAV and required navigation performance, which is something GA's uh, going to hear a lot more about in, in the coming years. Uh, you know, when when they're sending airplanes airliners out on standard terminal, uh, uh, not arrival routes, but standard uh, departure routes, uh, standard instrument departure, SIDs, uh, that they they follow the SID, the airplanes have to be spaced so far apart just for uh -huh. wake turbulence purposes. Uh -huh. Well, there's separation also, but there's wake turbulence. Uh, they're both important as the punchline. Yeah, and, uh, and then that separation can change as they get farther out. Well, you know, new technologies like ADSB uh, will certainly allow them to use a higher variety of arrival and departure routes uh, with great accuracy. It'll reduce some of the problems that the separation number is based on, like Jeff was talking about. That's because of the lag in the radar sweep and how things show up and inaccuracies in the uh, uh, in the uh, air traffic system. So, you know, minimum separation is important to hedge against the inaccuracy you're working against you and putting two airplanes in the same space at the same time something physics didn't allow and neither does the FAA uh, physics had it first uh, so if they can scatter these things out uh, or even using a, a, a standard SID have a greater degree of accuracy in the reporting on the controller screens then they can raise that acceptance rate uh, you know uh, incrementally but not enough, I don't think there's technology in the world that's going to let them overcome the shortcomings of the current runway uh, capacity of this country when you're talking about, uh, you know, nearly doubling flights in the next 15 and 20 years. Well, not only, not only are the physics and the facts uh, against um, ADSB or NextGen or anything else being a great panacea and, and minimizing... Uh, uh, delays in the future, but uh, it's just a shell game. They're they're saying, well, we can we can fix all of these delays by spending all of this hard-earned money um, on hardware and software and ADSB and, and all these fancy uh, acronyms. Uh, I remember when it was MLS that was going to do this. That's for right. Us. When it comes down to it, what they're doing is avoiding the hard choices because building new airports and building new runways uh, is not popular. It requires uh, land. Requires. Uh, it's popular with passengers who've got to make the trips. Right. Uh, until somebody says, "By the way, we're going to plop this puppy down next to your neighborhood." Right. Right. And then NIMBY shows up. Not in my backyard. Not in my side yard. Not in my front yard. Not in my neighbor's yard. Not in my county. Uh, we're very short-sighted that way as a civilization. Well, starting no, to beginning to charge user fees will solve this whole problem. Exactly. Not a right. chance in exactly. hell. Not a chance in hell. Well, um, one one theory is that yeah, user fees for landing at an airport um, will help resolve some of this, and and there is well, we've had that for we've, we've, generations. We've had, for, we've had that for generations. We've had right. you know peak hour pricing, as it's called. At some of these major airports, Boston is certainly one of them. JFK. Well, you know, and, to, to, to be others, fair, those, those airliners aren't landing at the, the the airports they serve for free. They're paying the airport authorities a landed weight uh, fee based on uh, you know whatever the the contract says times however many thousand of pounds of landed weight the aircraft has. And and sometimes a very substantial fee. In the oh, it's almost always five a and six figures. Fee. Yeah. 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 Um, the, proportional uh, to the passenger capacity. Well, that and the, the time of day. And, and and I'm not suggesting, and I don't think anyone here is suggesting that um, airlines are, do not suffer from some, some built-in economic hardships. Um, but user fees on general aviation and the, the incremental reduction in their overhead expenses as a result ain't going to make the nut here. 
Well, and, you know, they've just finished most of the legacy carriers uh, uh, coming through or about to come out of bankruptcy, abrogating their labor contracts, screwing their pensioners, uh, awarding their top executives big bonuses for succeeding in screwing all these people. And now they're after GA. Uh, and you know they've they've still got the screwdriver out. So, uh, and, and there's uh, one other thing here too is because of the ways in which existing taxes, uh, specifically fuel taxes on airlines, are levied, versus the ways in which user fees are are calculated and billed in the, would be billed in the future, um, an airline that uh, goes into bankruptcy. Um, it goes into Chapter 11, and a lot of its debt uh, is is either forgiven or paid for pennies on the dollar. What happens to those fees? Um, I think the fees ought to be exempt from bankruptcy. I think laws. they ought to be also, but I don't see any talk about that. I don't see certainly any legislative provision. By golly, the uh, IRS doesn't let you off the hook for taxes when you go bankrupt. No, they don't. It's uh, being, it certainly can be negotiated down on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but. Uh, oh yeah. As a rule, uh, when when uh, when uh, an entity declares bankruptcy, all of its debts uh, are on the table and are negotiated out. Uh, that would presumably include airlines in the future when it comes to their user fees, not uh, not their taxes. Right. Oh man, that did, boy, that just opens up another Pandora's box. Doesn't well, it? Well, f fellow aviators, it's you know the, the the message here is that the uh, the war is moving along. It's far from over. Uh, we've lost one little skirmish. Uh, uh, we've still got some heavy hitters on our side. Uh, it's still prime time for you to make your voice heard to your uh, senator, senators and your uh, local representative to the U.S. Congress that no way that user fees should be a part of funding the FAA. Uh, not for the airlines, not for business aviation, not for GA, because all it does is open up the door to expanding those to include all of us on an incremental basis. And we've already beat to death all the reasons why this is a lousy idea. Uh, but you need to look no further than how they're going to pick your pocket more if they get their way. Yeah, right. and I think a time has come for us to put back in the show notes the link to the websites that help you to contact your congressional representatives. I was, so, I was just going to bring that up. NBAA has probably got the best um, one-click type of um, uh, website set up. Um, the the be easiest way to get there is to go to www.nbaa.org slash advocacy. And that brings up a page uh, allowing, brings up NBAA's online advocacy center and uh, allows you. don't you have to be an NBAA member to use this particular no, you don't. page. You, you uh, don't I, even need to be a pilot, right? You can be someone who just cares about aviation. Exactly That's right. You can be a pilot spouse. Um, it, there's there's the, a lot of talking points available here. There's a lot of uh, background information here. And most most importantly, there's a basically a one-click uh, process by which you can write an email uh, to your elected officials, uh, fill in your name and address, and zap it out. Um, NBA has set this up uh, specifically for this user fee fight. Uh, although, you know, I don't have permission to give out that URL, I'm certain they would not mind more the merrier. Yeah. Okay. And, they, uh, and for those of you that are members of these respective organizations, uh, of course, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association and the Experimental Aircraft Association all have uh, uh, links through which you can express your views. Uh, my suggestion, uh, and I don't think anybody's going to object to this, use them all. One one quick point here. I, I misstated the URL at NBAA. Just try nbaaorg slash action. Action. Okay. Yeah. There's there's two or three different ways to get to these pages, but you uh, just go to nbaa.org and they're, they'll have a link there yeah. that shows you the yeah. way. So. Yeah. But do it and uh, be respectful. But do it. But do it make now. your voice known. Do it again later. Do it again later. Later. Uh huh. Uh, you know this isn't over till it's over, and. Uh, you know, by the the current authorization expires uh, September 30th, which means that these gentlemen and gentle ladies in the U.S. Congress <laughs> can take until September 30th 
to get this done as long as they're sure that the shrub will sign the legislation. Well, so, in, 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 in years past, they've even gone well past uh, an arbitrary deadline like September 30. That's um, true. I, 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 there was a discussion uh, I wrote about in AvWeb this week between uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the chairman and, and ranking member of the Senate Aviation Subcommittee on this topic. Um, and uh, chairman is, is Jay Rockefeller of, of West Virginia. The uh, ranking uh, Republican is Trent Lott of Mississippi. Uh, and they were both bemoaning this, this uh, user fee problem and why, do, why would anybody object to a mere $25? And, and uh, if the opposition keeps coming up, we're just going to pull the plug on this whole bill and, and they're not going to get a reauthorization. And my kind of reaction to that is, hey, make my day. Yeah. It, you know, uh, the world is not going to, uh, the sky is not going to fall, the world is not going to come down, the FAA is not going to go close their doors, although that might be a good outcome. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> let, let's, not, let's not have a bill this year. Works for me. Come yeah. on down. Yeah. Moving on. They're at it, yeah. put, put, put a proviso into that bill that from, from here on out until the end of time, huh. FAA administrators really have to be aviators. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, let's Moving see on. now. Um, rolling, so speaking rolling, of Jeb rolling. writing an AvWeb, I just want to say this. So Jeb, you wrote the, you wrote this bit. Um, you wrote a story. I think it was you who wrote it uh, in in this recent AvWeb biz, where you, and I loved this little bit you wrote. You said you were referring to the different uh, uh, what we all sometimes refer to the alphabet organizations. Uh -huh. You said numerous. I don't have the quote in front of me, but from my uh -huh. head, it was like numerous <laughs> numerous associations like NBAA, AOPA, HAI. Just to abbreviate a few, wrote, right? <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great, and uh, I don't know how many caught, people caught that, but I looked at it and I said, "Oh, I think Jeb wrote this one." And that's when I scrolled down to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, uh, he had his Campbell's alphabet suit out. So yeah, I, I had I had some fun with that issue, and finally had some time to really focus on some things that uh -huh. day. So. Uh, came out nicely. Unfortunately, somebody screwed up somewhere, and, and uh, we they ended up having to send out two copies because the first one didn't go to the correct list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got both of them. Yeah, which is is not my rice bowl, but uh, you know we um, mentioned this at the top of every episode, but I'm not. I wasn't even originally aware that there was this sort of second version or this alter, alternate version of AvWeb. I mean, I've been getting the AvWeb flash for sure. years. Um, and it was only, you know, I guess in the last year or so that I realized that there was this, this AvWeb biz, which right. focuses on business aviation. Right. And anyone out there who's interested in that subject ought to dig a little deeper into the AvWeb site. To, uh, you, can, you can actually not only read the individual, the, the specific AvWeb biz stories on the website, but you can subscribe to a special version of the Flash that comes by email. Exactly right. It's, so, it's, uh, it's a weekly thing. Wednesdays uh, every week. It focuses strictly on business, corporate, uh, uh, aviation and the manufacturers, etc. So yeah. um, it's so. it's worth the it's it's worth every penny you pay for that's a subscription. Right. That's right, and, and sometimes more. double. And yeah, some, that's right. What else is going on? Uh, let's see now. Let's talk about something a little bit more pleasant here for a few minutes. Uh, I didn't read this story about the NBAA volunteers building a, a playground. Yeah, who, who knows um, something about this? NBAA is. Uh, uh, their annual convention uh, in September is in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and this is the 60th anniversary, 60th anniversary of NBAA, and uh, they're planning quite a party, 100th anniversary of aviation in the state of Georgia, and uh, they have arranged, NBAA has arranged to uh, do some public good in Atlanta by uh, constructing an aviation-themed playground for use of uh, neighborhood children there in one of the Atlanta neighborhoods. I'm not sure whether it's Peachtree or Buckhead or where exactly that they're, they're actually be doing the construction. But NBAA put the word out uh, uh, earlier this week that they need between, I think it said 300 and 400 volunteers to uh, work on this project. And it's basically going to go a little bit like a, a Habitat for Humanity house project. Uh, the whole thing's going to get done in a day or two. That's why they need this army of volunteers so that they can put this playground up. Uh, there'll be work done in advance to prefab and, and, and uh, prepare the site and, and uh, get all the materials together in the form that they need. And then 
they're going to build that puppy in a day, they say, and they're looking for volunteers. So uh, if you're a GA pilot in the Georgia area or you're going to be in the Georgia area around the time of the NBAA convention and uh, you got you got your nail apron and your claw hammer and your plumb bobman level looking for a way to do some public good, uh, this would be a way to show uh, the community at large that uh, GA people aren't a bunch, just a bunch of rich bitches uh, with their head in the air. Yeah, looks like a great thing. The website, um, it's, it, it, we'll put the complete, the, the direct link in the show notes. I'm not going to try and read it because it's kind of kind of complicated, weird numbers and letters. But it, right now, as of today, if you go to the nbaa.org site um, and then scroll down a bit on the stories on their front page, you'll see the story about the playground, the aviation-themed playground. Um, and uh, we'll also put the direct link in the show notes. It's a cool project. It sounds great. It's like a little barn raising where they're... Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, I uh, it always brings a smile to my face. Makes me feel good about this community that uh, we're part of. Uh, when when you see a project like this, whether it's uh, an angel flight or a corporate angel network flight or uh, uh, young eagles or, or building a playground for kids uh, with an aviation theme, yeah, um, GA gives back to the communities it's, it's in. GA people, I should say, give back to the communities that they're in in a lot of ways beyond you know putting their airplanes to work for the uh, for, for their own good. So yeah. uh, we've got some more we got some more mail from our listeners. We love it. Uh, mail and, that uh, we didn't lose. Yeah, and we you know, and as of the as of this time, we're caught <laughs> up. It wasn't hate mail. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, we've never gotten hate mail. That could be what happened to your hard drive. You no, downloaded no, no, no. A, a, an ugly email, no, and your no, hard no, drive no, no. went. We don't oh, have. Maybe you got my critique email, yeah, and it just no, smoked no, no. the hard drive. That's what it was. That's what it was. But we because we got some new email this week that that hasn't been lost yet, and. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> We got two. One we're going to postpone. Um, I do want to thank, though, uh, Scott from Tennessee for sending us a, a, an interesting email where he tells us some of his aviation history and uh, and asks us an interesting question. His ambitions. Yeah, and and he asks us a question about um, the 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 you know kind of what what our thoughts are on the subject of moving into an aviation career as sort of a midlife career change. Um, and and although we're as, as a rule we're totally prepared to talk about something that we know nothing about um, in chatting about this before the episode <laughs> we kind of concluded that we we truly had nothing intelligent to say about this subject and oh, no and no we did not conclude that you that's concluded that I'm it joking. was a head scratcher but we didn't I'm joking no. but I think we what all, we we always have an opinion and we may be wrong but yeah we but what we did one. decide um, all kidding aside was that we wanted to kind of ponder this a little bit and maybe collect some resources and maybe even find a guest to come on the podcast. To talk about these kinds of things, so, so Scott, we, we, we're working on we're working on some suggestions for you, and uh, we'll get something to you before your 38th birthday. That's right. <laughs> and listeners, we've actually posted the full text of Scott's email in the blog, uh, where you can read his uh, questions and comments, and you can also post uh, your uh, responses to Scott. Uh, in your the blog. suggestions are most and, welcome. And I, and I think you know, I mean, it's certainly true that that a lot of you out there would have some very interesting suggestions for Scott. So anyways, that's we'll come back to that later on. Uh, this is sort of part of the larger subject that I really want us to dig into about just kind of people who want to learn how to fly, who want to get uh -huh. into it and making it more, even more approachable. There are a lot of programs for making it approachable, but uh, um, I think we're going to try and contribute some ideas to that thing. So thank you, Scott from Tennessee. Um, more later on, but uh, check the blog for now. Yeah. The other email we got was from uh, Reed from New Jersey. Uh, Reed is Reed sent an email, and I'm not convinced that Reed actually intended this email to be used on the show. But what the heck? Um, <laughs> um, We're not giving out a cell phone number. No, so. no, right. And uh, Reed is a is an active pilot. Um, he lives currently in New Jersey, based at um, apparently Morristown, uh, New Jersey. Don't narrow it down too much. And uh, and he's in the process of moving to Boston uh, later this summer. And he wanted to know uh, what suggestions uh, specifically I might have about interesting clubs and, and FBOs and airports to to use in the greater Boston area and uh, I, I'm going to send Reed a direct email reply but I didn't get a chance to do it yet and I just wanted to kind of say a few words to Reed and anybody else in the greater Boston area um, I my 
just so you know, I do most of my flying out of uh, southern New Hampshire uh, and out of the Rochester, New Hampshire area. And so I'm familiar with FBOs and clubs that are up in that area. I'm less familiar with the ones that are around greater Boston. But let me just kind of give you a couple of quick thoughts uh, from what I know from talking to pilots about uh, 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 airports and FBOs around the area. Um, Reed wondered whether Bedford would be a good airport to base himself at. He's going to be living in Cambridge. Anybody who knows the Boston area, um, there's a, one of the hub uh, or spoke roads that goes out of Greater Boston is Route 2. Route 2 goes from Cambridge right out to uh, Bedford Airport, which is also known as Hanscom Air Force, or formerly Hanscom Air Force Base. I guess it's still oh, an Air yeah, Force yeah, Base, yeah. but it's also uh, the sort of one side of the field is the Air Force Base, and the other side is the is the GA uh, field. And uh, very active airport. Um, if you like the military, uh, you know, kind of environment, um, that's a plus there. Um, they do a very active FBO. There's a lot of aircraft rentals that go on there. A lot of traffic. Um, it's out of, out at the edge of the. Uh, of the um, Boston airspace, so it's a little easier to navigate to and from. Um, all those things are either pros or cons, depending on your point of view, um, because you may not like the kind of craziness of that environment, and so that may or may not be the right choice for you. Um, he asked about Beverly Airport, which is sort of north, slightly to the east of Boston. Um, I've flown out of Beverly. It's a it's an interesting little airport. It's not very busy. It is a tower airport, though. Um, when I lived in California and I came back here to visit, I would rent out of Beverly, and uh, and and they have a kind of they have I think they have two FBOs that do rentals there, and that's kind of a nice place. Um, it, it's it's not a very busy airport. Um, it is sort of to the north. If you're going to head north, that's kind of a good thing. You got to sneak around the outside of Boston if you want to go that way. So that's that's one thing. He didn't mention Lawrence. You should look at Lawrence Airport, which is sort of n north and slightly to the west of Boston. And then the last suggestion I would make, um, it's a little bit further out of town, but this is an airport that I don't know much about, but I learned something recently that makes me want to learn more. And that is, um, Jeb, I think it was in AvWeb, no, it was Aviation Safety Magazine, I think you told me this, that you guys list, you published a list of the busiest non-tower airports in America. Correct. And I was surprised to notice that like the second or third busiest non-tower airport in America is Fitchburg Airport here in, mm -hmm. in not exactly Greater Boston, but sort of out on the <coughs> fringes of Greater Boston. And uh, I've always, see, I'm not the IFR guy. I'm just the VFR, you know, kind of watch the ground kind of pilot. And so I've always found tower airports to be somewhat more interesting, non-tower airports to be more interesting to me. I kind of like that grassroots kind of thing. And, sure. Uh, so uh, it's a bit more of a drive out from Cambridge, but uh, that might be something that you, that, that Reed would, would like as well. So yeah, that's sort of my little my little brain dump. Do you guys know anything about a a airports and so forth in the greater Boston area? I do not. I, I just want to I know how to your, find Boston. Yeah. Yeah, you, you punch it into your busiest. GPS, Dave, right? Yeah. Well, no, actually, I'd, you know, I'd look at the chart, but... Uh, you know the big big thing is for 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 listeners if you know of a flying club that a flying club veteran could uh could uh, become a part of uh, that's that's what Reed is looking for yeah. and uh and I I'm sure that a variety of airports and variety of flying clubs that uh, are assuredly available up there that he can find something that suits his needs but uh, suggestions are welcome post them to the blog uh, send them as a mail to us uh, we'll do our best to make sure that it all gets passed on to read absolutely Bo listeners in the Boston greater Boston area send us your your thoughts on this too and uh, yeah, I guess that's just, it for that one real, real quickly put a yeah. little bit more meat on this bone um, Jack, you're talking about the May issue of Aviation Safety and uh, uh, article in there on uh, um, basically uh, ramp rage, as we call it in the article, uh, lists the 20 busiest public use non-towered airports in the U.S. Uh, the top three are Flagler County in Florida, Venice Municipal also in Florida, and Fitchburg Municipal in Massachusetts. Yeah. So... so. I'm going to get out there one of these days and check it out. Sounds like yeah. fun. Uh, that's it for the mail today. Uh, please keep sending us your emails. We love to get them. Uh, again, a reminder to those of you who we might have missed because we lost it, um, resend or, or send us a new one. That would be great. Um, and, and in general, check out the Uncontrolled Airspace website. There's a lot of fun stuff there. The blog is, is getting busier and busier, and we're getting more people leaving feedback and comments there, and, and we're all publishing uh, on a pretty regular basis. So uh, uncontrolledairspace.com is the website. What else? What's going on? 
Well, I had a nice piece of mail delivered by the uniformed carrier of the United States Postal Service this week. Always puts me in a good frame of mind. Ah, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. My, my 2007 Air Venture Oshkosh Notam, the hard copy, came a couple of days ago. And uh, it is 32 pages of useful information and uh, details, maps, frequency charts, letters to airmen, authorizations, departure and arrival procedures, IFR and VFR. Uh, if you don't have one, it's going to be a bestseller, yeah. and it's free. It, 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 32 pages might be a little bit intimidating to somebody who's either not been to Oshkosh before or hasn't flown into Oshkosh before, don't be alarmed. Only the first 31 pages are really relevant. <laughs> um, no, in, in, in all sincerity, the, the 32 pages um, cover everything. They cover VFR arrivals and departures. They cover IFR arrivals and departures. They cover warbirds. It covers light sport and ultralight. It covers seaplane. It rotocraft. covers helicopter, rotorcraft, everything. So... At the most, you're probably only talking about three or four pages of information right, right, that you need right. to really assimilate and, and understand fully to operate to or from Oshkosh safely. So but the rest of it's fascinating stuff. I yeah, mean, it, I, is. I, it, it is. It's just oh, it's really got a lot of nice maps and charts, mm -hmm. diagrams to help. Pretty you pictures. Understand well. It's the the pity of it is, and you know, I'm going to suggest this is a, in a friendly way that uh, aside from the FAA and uh, the uh, Department of Transportation being sponsors of uh, this published NOTAM, this booklet, along with EAA, that they might find a corporate sponsor, too, to put this puppy in color. Yeah. Well, uh -huh. color color printing these days doesn't cost as much as, as it used to. And, right. And it doesn't make any sense not to print some of this in color. Does, uh, the, does the online PDF version have color in it? Uh, hang on a second. I'll tell you real quick. That the, uh, the like Jim said, the uh, for example, the section on the Fisk VFR arrival Tosh guys one two three come on fingers four five six pages and that covers all the different runway arrival configurations. Uh, you know, the basically get from basically getting into the neighborhood via Fisk to uh, the routing that you're going to take from Fisk to Oshkosh to the routing that you're going to fly depending on the runway that's active at the time. It's got all the new frequency. Uh, uh, well, it highlights the frequency change for the ATIS. Uh, they did a really nice thing with this, uh, and I've always been impressed with this. The back cover is nothing but frequencies. Oshkosh arrival frequency, the Oshkosh Vortac, the new Air Venture arrival ATIS, the Osh ATIS backup, uh, the Fisk approach frequency, Osh Tower North for runway 927, Tower South for runway 1836, and on and on. Makes for a real handy, easy reference when all you got to do is look at the back cover to get the yeah. frequency that you need. Uh, I just checked my copy of the uh, the online version of the Notam. It is all black and white. Yeah. Um, now, as I recall, and I don't have it in front of me. I think I I don't, I don't even know if it's available any longer. But the the Notam for Sun and Fun this year, at least the online version of it, had color. Maybe that's what I'm picturing in my head. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. So well, you know, one foot after the other. But now how does uh, one get a copy of the sort of official printed one? There you are. Airvention.org. There are three or four ways. Yeah, the easiest and most straightforward and probably the thing that's going to work quickest for you, and, and, and we'll make sure this gets into the show notes, you can call EAA on a toll-free number, 800-564-6322, and they'll put a stamp on it and put it in the mail for you. Mine came, uh, judging by the hand lettering on this, that was the 104th one that they mailed out the day that they did this. Uh, on uh, May 17th, uh, and they spent 75 cents alone on postage to do it. You can also go to www.faa.gov slash NTAP, November Tango Alpha Papa uppercase, or 
airventure.org or eaa.org uh, and view it, download the PDF, print it out on your own. You can print out just the pages that you need and ignore the rest. No, no, uh, no. Print out everything. Put it in your bag. Yeah, and, and you can also, I think, on the, either the EAA and or the AirVenture sites, request a hard copy be sent to you. That's how you I sure got can. mine. I didn't yeah. phone anybody. So. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Yeah. I've looked at it online, it, it, but I, maybe I want to get a paper one. Just, it's a collectible, right? You know, you need to get a paper one as a add it to the annual version. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't wait too long because uh, you know at some point you're going to be making this. You could be making this request, uh, it, and, and the hopper is empty because it's not unusual for them to run short of these things and have to do uh, another reprint or they run out of them. There's also usually a smaller version. That they hand out at the flight service station right. facilities on the grounds at Air Ventures. So if you happen to sneak in without one, uh, you can make sure you got one to sneak out again. Right. But get the note, Tam. Get the note. Put it in your bag. Take note. it with you. Read it. Read it in advance. Don't read it in the airplane. Put um, it. Yeah. But but have it available in the airplane. Yeah. Have it available for referral, but don't plan to read it during the trip down there. Well, um, yeah. You 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 want it you want it over the visor. Uh, you know, as you're coming by the uh, uh, Wisconsin state line from whatever direction. As you're passing the Wisconsin state line, you're getting close enough to have that puppy in front of you uh, because there are some airspace issues uh, coming around places like Madison, Chicago, Green Bay, uh, where you need to, uh, you, you don't want to be on a direct GPS necessarily to Fisk. And have yourself stumbling into uh, uh, controlled airspace or restricted use airspace or a right. MOA. Right. And uh, so th that's all covered in the NOTAM as well. Yeah. So have it where you can pull it up as you're crossing, read it bef when you get it, and then have it handy as you're coming across the Wisconsin state line and you say, yep, NOTAM time. Yeah. It's NOTAM time. One other bit of interesting um, AirVenture news, we, we were, the three of us were uh, exchanging emails this past week about um, the fact that they've uh, broken ground on the new FAA control tower at mm -hmm. Whitman uh, Regional Airport. And uh, yeah. finally, after they announced this a few years ago and uh, nothing, nothing visible, phys physical, physical, visible it has sounds. happened. It yeah, I know. Sounds. But uh, I'm sure there are lots of things going on in the background. But they've now broken ground. We've, we have saw some pictures uh, on the, uh, it was either the EAA website or the AirVenture website. Uh, we'll put those in the show notes. Um, but uh, did, so did we ever figure out which corner that was? The pictures were not. Oh yeah, well, we know exactly which corner. Well, that, yeah. I'm, I'm certain that I know which corner they were planning to build it on, but those pictures look a little odd and I can't quite place it. What corner well, do you think they were building it on? Uh, they're, they're building it on the corner that they broke ground on, uh, which was, you know... Oh, that's the, right. You probably were out there to take pictures of the groundbreaking. Right? I, I was out there and took pictures of the groundbreaking. Yeah, okay. So which corner yeah. is it? It's the one... Okay, if you know the intersection where the FAA building sits and there's a, uh, a north-south road that runs down through the right. commercial area and up toward Warbirds and, and uh, sure. yeah, I know. I think most people and know that major that intersection. there's that east-west road that comes into the showgrounds, heads toward the control tower. Right. It is on the north... Stop, David. It is on the northwest corner of right. that intersection. That's right the corner I always around. thought too. Uh, yeah. The pictures looked a little weird. The pictures almost looked like they were digging on the southeast corner of that intersection. Yeah, and that's and what a confused bit of that, me. I think is perspective problem. Yeah, uh, maybe. Huh? But they're the, but they're uh, working on the control tower. The story was that uh, they're certainly not going to have it finished this year. They're going to work on it up until about a week or so before AirVenture, um, and then stop for a couple weeks while we all come in and take over the place and uh, then continue. They're saying that they're going to have the main um, sort of tower piece not the cab but but the the structure of the tower finished um, and the and the base building finished by then so we're gonna have a, a fairly major new landmark uh, yeah. at at, uh, at AirVenture this summer and uh, so and, that's and, and even though we understand we, we understand the necessity of the new tower it's gonna be kind of sad to see the old one go away I still say that AirVenture today should take over the old tower building and oh, I our, agree. our oh, newsroom absolutely. should be in the tower cab up top uh -huh. If, if nothing oh. else, for the photo opportunities. Exactly. Oh, my God. There's no elevator in that building. <laughs> what? Are you saying that you're going to have a hard time carrying all your camera gear up I was going to say, that'll, that'll teach you to pack light. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Yeah, is I'll, get, I'll get my uh, extra fitness workout and my heart attack all on the same trip, uh, lugging 28 pounds up and down those stairs eight times a day. Yeah. 
what else is going on here? We're starting to run short on time. Any other big stories here? You, uh, what do you want to talk about? This Florida thing looks a little scary, weird. What's that all about? Which, you know, in terms of urgency, I would put that, you know, as something that we really should touch base on. Uh, the uh, Department of Revenue folks. Oh, yeah. yeah. The folks that collect taxes uh, in the state of Florida, uh, apparently... And this is reported by our own news net, our old buddy Jim Campbell, uh, uh, earlier this week, Monday, actually. Uh, the Aero News Net reported that it had learned that uh, uh, the state is sending tax bills when owners of new aircraft land in the state within the first six months of owning the airplane on a presumption that they're doing business there. And they owe the state tax fees and uh, you know these are some fairly formidable tax bills uh, a serious owner who got a, ta a, a bill for $30,000 after stopping in the state and being there for a few days and then flying on again uh, a Meridian Piper Meridian owner the tax bill that, uh, that was reported on that was over a hundred thousand dollars they're levying personal property tax on the presumption that you're you're there. You right. stopped here, so you must be there. And unless you can come up with proof that you've paid sales tax or property tax in another venue uh, already of an equal uh, amount, of an equal amount. That's right. So right. if your if your home state has a comparable like excise or use tax, and you prove you paid it but it wasn't as high as what Florida would have assessed you, then Florida is going to assess difference. you for the difference. Yeah. Right. This is, this is <laughs> insane. I can't imagine in a... In, this apparently, according to the Aero News story, this applies not only to airplanes, but to like RVs and motorhomes and even cars. Um, and I have a hard time imagining in a state that's so uh, not dependent, but has a large tourism component, uh -huh. that, that this... Could could survive. This is going to scare away people in motorhomes and you know driving down to to Disney World and so forth. But on the other hand, apparently this law has been in place for a while now, and they're only now starting to uh, enforce well, it. The motorhome people were getting gigged because they were coming down there and spending months there. Right. Yeah. And making themselves uh, uh, under the law more subject to the tax. Now that's a little bit different situation, but uh, you a know. little bit different. But this is costing Florida aviation businesses uh, work because people are afraid to bring their airplane into Florida to have an upgrade done, to have some avionics work done, or to come down there in their own airplane for training because they're afraid they're going to get hit. You know, their new airplane. They're afraid they're going to get hit for a tax bill because they stopped in the state for a few days. Uh -huh. That's right. Uh -huh. Now, to now, be this clear, is a this is hell of a note for a, for a state that's trying really, really hard to keep Piper from moving yep. out of Vero Beach. Yeah, yeah. Now, to be clear, this only, correct, make sure I've got this right, this only applies to um, visiting Florida in the first six months that you own the airplane. Right. After six months, you're good. Is it the first six months of buying a new airplane or buying an airplane that's new to you? New or used. New okay. or used. So if you're at the first six months of you owning your airplane, think twice about landing in Florida, assuming yeah. the story is correct. Yeah. You know, that's, I, uh, I, I can imagine vendors at Sun and Fun. That's what my thought was. Well, my goodness, oh, yeah. how many airplanes visit? Visit now, Sun and Fun, yeah. Well, yeah. there may be, and I don't see it in the story, there may be uh, a little difference in uh, tax treatment for uh, corporate aircraft. Mm -hmm. But right. uh, I'm not and, seeing and anything that differentiates that here. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting story. We don't story. know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we should do some research and learn some more about this, but uh, it's, it's uh, kind of notable. What else? Uh, it's silly. Yeah. It's wrong. Uh, it's punitive. Uh, it's just you know. It's just uh, uh, state greed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Exactly right. And what else is I going on? Let's. For my opinion. So. I think we're about run out of our allotted time here. Uh, yeah. Anything else going on? We want to cut touch on before we uh, before we wrap it up here. Jeff, sir. Uh, a couple of points. Just kind of marking some. Uh, uh, anniversaries, as it were. Uh, Monday. I was worried you were going to say marking territory. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't do that, at least without a couple of beers, and it's too early for that. Um, 
It's um, always beer 30 somewhere. Monday marked the 80th anniversary of uh, Charles Lindbergh's landing in Paris after his across-the-Atlantic nonstop flight. 33 and, hours. And uh, it just um, still boggles my mind uh, to think of, of the, the cojones that uh, he had to have to take a, a fabric-covered airplane with a single engine across that distance by himself. A fuel tank with wings. A fuel tank with wings. <clears throat> um, talk about un untested technology. Uh, didn't even have a radio in the thing, much less uh, yeah. um, uh, a relief tube or anything else. And yeah. uh, is is just uh, uh, still to this day. I mean, we very few of us today would attempt something like that. Uh, and yeah. uh, th think back. <laughs> well, we, we'd have a hard time getting the government permits today. Well, we would, but and, but we at least have GPS, so we could fly a great circle direct. Yeah. But. Uh, I and mean, we'd have the ability to talk to air traffic control and get updated weather and all that kind of thing. But uh, And Lindbergh uh, actually put more time on the airplane during the Atlantic crossing than the airplane had on it right. when he left New York. Talk yeah. about untested technology. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, when and, he left and, San Diego, you mean. He, he flew it from, from San Diego, where it was built, stopped in St. Louis to, to congratulate the investors, flew it to New York, Spent a couple of days on the ground in New York, getting prepped and, and uh, everything like that. Then flew he'd been to New York to Paris. 20, he'd been right. awake for more than 24 hours when he departed. Right. For Paris. Right. Yeah. And then uh, of it's course, just, just phenomenal. And now you know you, you could argue about his politics and and what happened later in his life till the cows come home. But you got to give the man some credit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he. Uh, during the flight, because of the flight, and after the flight, did probably more than any other single individual outside the Wright brothers to advance the cause of aviation Absolutely. as a viable mode of transportation for people and goods. Absolutely. Uh, the work that he and his wife did flying proving routes for the airlines all over the world, uh, the work that he did uh, developing aircraft, uh, the tours that he made in the United States, uh, you know, in, in the afterglow of the New York Paris flight to popularize aviation, uh, you know, nothing, nothing other than maybe the moon landing really stands on par with it today. Yeah. 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 And you said there was a second one, Jeb? The second one was, uh, I believe it was this month, I don't have the exact date, um, in, um, well, it was May 20, in 37. Um, um, we lost Amelia Earhart, uh, which is another one of those great mysteries of uh, aviation. Actually, this was, I'm sorry, she began her flight uh, began from Oakland flight. on May 20 of 1937. She was actually lost uh, on the morning of July 2nd, 1937. Yeah. So we've got a, a couple of months before we celebrate that sad anniversary, but... Uh, uh, just just another uh, kind of data point on, on how far we've come and uh, what we owe those who have gone before us. Here, here. Uh, and this is also, uh, we're coming up on the uh, uh, birthday of Amelia, July 24. She was born in Atchison, Kansas. Uh, so Kansas takes great, great pride in, uh, in laying claim to her and her. Uh, born in 1897 and went on her first flight in 1919. Think about that, kiddies. Uh, and three years later, uh, was uh, one of the first women to uh, hold a pilot's license. And uh, then she flew Air Derby in 1929 and finished third and was part of a group of... Uh, of, uh, of, of women that responded. There were 150 women that received a letter inviting them to uh, uh, form a women's aviation group. 99 of the 150 responded, as the story goes. Mm -hmm. Hence the name of the group is yet today, 99s, and Amelia was their first president. Yeah. Uh, very accomplished aviator. Uh, sad that she didn't make it. Uh, so you know, 70 years ago, a couple of days ago, she started her trip. Uh, July 2nd uh, was the last anybody ever heard from her. And 
there's still folks out there trying to solve the mystery. Yeah, trying to find a spot. There's an expedition going out there yet this year. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's a, uh, a fairly sizable article in uh, this month's uh, Air and Space Smithsonian Magazine on uh, that. It doesn't really uh, break any new ground, uh, but uh, does discuss some of the um, search efforts uh, um, that are still ongoing uh, and the reason some of the reasons behind them some of the theories uh, relative to to what happened so yeah. I, I one one final thing I'd like to just give a quick little shout out yeah. to to my daughter who has decided she wants to learn how to fly all right yeah you mentioned this Very a bunch cool. of episodes and, ago what's the latest and, well the latest is uh, she's reiterated this um, She's got a, a, a gap of time here uh, between now and mid-June when she's not working. She's home for the summer uh, and starts a, a summer job on, in mid-June. And we are going to, to uh, make a very concerted effort here over the next couple of three weeks to get her soloed. And wow. uh, just a matter of finding the right school and uh, the right instructor and the right airplane. Um, she told me last night she wants to go beyond just soloing and, and get her private ticket. And uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting sojourn. I'm, I'm very proud of her, and uh, uh, cannot wait to, to see the results. Very cool. Maybe yeah. you'll get her to come on the podcast sometime and tell us I, about what it's like. I'd love that. I'd yeah, love that. That would be great. That would be great. Good luck to her. I met her when I was visiting uh, you down there, and right. I'm, I apologize. I'm blanking on her name. What is her first name? Kelsey. K E L S E. That's right. Of course, right. Kelsey. Well, go for it, Kelsey. Good. Go for it. It's a blast. You'll it love is. it. You'll love it. You'll love it. Thanks, guys. As usual, it's fun. It's been a pleasure. And I appreciate you getting up earlier. Nobody knows that, but it's true. We got up a little bit earlier than you. That's why we're maybe more grumpy than average today. But uh, but we did get up a little earlier to do this one. And You, uh, you will pay a price, Jeb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's Jeb. You can learn more about Jeb and his uh, work at uh, jebburnside.com, also aviationsafetymagazine.com and avweb.com. The other guy out there, Dave Higdon, who really doesn't want to be carrying cameras up uh, eight, six, seven flights of stairs. <laughs> um, you can learn more about, see some of his great aviation pictures uh, and learn about some of his other activities at DaveHigdon.com. And I am Jack Hodgson. Uh, you can learn more about my work at JackHodgson.com. I want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. Still ask us, darling, just what all the games were for. And here we stand. A box of